Good morning and welcome to this interactive online event, which is kindly supported by PKEE, the Polish Electricity Association. My name is Frédéric Simon, I'm the Energy and Environment Editor of Euractiv, and I will be your host for today's event, which is titled How to Develop the Heating Sector to Ensure Better Air Quality. Now, today's debate will focus on the decarbonisation of the heating sector, which makes up around 40% of energy use in households. And with the war in Ukraine, EU countries are now coming under pressure to eliminate Russian gas entirely from the heating sector, which is going to be a huge challenge, of course. So how can uh, Europe speed up the decarbonisation of heating, and how can that contribute at the same time to improve air quality? To discuss this topic today, I have the pleasure of welcoming Piotr Sperstezak, who is in charge of the District Heating Department at the Polish Ministry of Climate and Environment, Claudia Canivari, Head of Unit in charge of Energy Efficiency at the European Commission's Energy Department, Kieran Cuff, an Irish MEP who is Rapporteur on the Energy Performance of Buildings Directive in the European Parliament for the Greens Party, and Margarita Toloto from the European Environmental Bureau. Welcome to all of you and thanks for joining us today. We'll start this on event with um, a series of short opening statements from the speakers and then uh, we'll open up to a panel discussion that will also include questions from the audience. To put a questions to the speakers, just uh, use the uh, chat, which is uh, on the right-hand side of your screen, and we will take questions directly from there. So we'll get started uh, with the opening remarks uh, in a few minutes. But before we do that, uh, let me pass the floor uh, first to Patrick Dembski, Vice President of the Toron Group in Poland, for some opening remarks. Patrick, the floor is yours. Thank you, Frederick. Uh, I, it's a great pleasure for me to start this debate. Uh, I have to apologize for my voice, but yesterday we got a great football game inside of the capital city, uh, Silesia, uh, in Katowice. Uh, so I was taking a part in the main song, Twist and Shout. So I hope you, you understand that. Uh, it's great pleasure to open this today meeting on Euroactive. And the topic that we are discussing at this debate, how to develop the heating sector and to ensure better air quality is a significant question. And it's a great, really, debate. It's crucial debate as air pollution has an impact on the human health, on the human homes, on the human, uh, on the neighbors. However, due to current geopolitical situation, all energy-related themes should also be seen in the context of war in Ukraine. European Union, as a community based on the sound ethical principles, should pay particular attention to moral values. That is why the direction of energy policy, especially in the field of energy carries and energy sources, shall be determined in a highly responsible manner. Let diversified energy mix wide range of energy supply directions and energy independence be our weapon a new recognition of symbol of the european union speaking about the air quality what we hear very often in the public debate uh, is that the smoke and the bad air quality are caused by power plants 
However, uh, we need to know that the statement is uh, not the whole truth, or it's not true at all. Because since all, over a dozen years, the energy sector, also Polish energy sector, has been undergoing a transition driven by environmental and climate protection and care for the human health. The Polish energy groups have been undertaking and are continuing numerous initiatives, independent, uh, intended to, to prevent and to reduce the adverse influence of the sector of natural environment. This has translated into unmeasurable goals. Poland has not only significantly reduced the emission in the last decade, but we also increase its power generation for the renewables. Moreover, uh, Poland overreached 2020 target regarding share of renewable energy. This proves that Poland takes energy transition very seriously and acts upon to reduce emission and in, in consequence, improve air quality. However, uh, what we need to be, what need to be underlined heating sector is not only the district heating. In Europe, there's a still a certain share of individual, individual heating sources, which have the highest influence on air quality. Therefore, a replacement of old, inefficient household heat sources should be prioritized. The one way is to install new individual heat sources with the lowest possible emission, but there is also an alternative solution uh, which can be provided by the energy sector, uh, an attractive and effective uh, option in district heating. We need to remember that the district heating is based on the heating plants and combine heat and power plants, which must meet strict environmental requirements set by EU law. It is very effective technology dedicated mostly for the urbanized areas. Therefore, we believe that uh, covering heat needs should be done primarily through the use of district heating whenever it's possible. Such a model ensures the high efficiency of raw material use, improves the living comfort of citizens, and reduces the problem of the low stack emissions. It's worth mentioning that in Poland, there is well-developed district heating system. Approximately 40% of households are connected to district heating networks. The new package Fit for 55 should properly reflect the role of heating system, in particular district heating, in the fight against winter smog. We agree with the Commission that the heating sector has a potential of actively participate in the EU climate goals, but appropriate transitional period must be ensured. We expect that the timeline which requirements regarding efficiency dis district heating pres presented into the Energy Efficiency Directive will also provide appropriate time to adjust investment plans. Due to the long duration of investment process in the power sector and the need to transform the system by maintaining reasonable and social adapted prices for the heating from the new sources, we would propose to introduce a new definition of an effective heating system from 2030 and to withdraw the eligibility for condition the high efficiency cooperation. Otherwise, further development of heating system might be very difficult and as a consequence, improvement of air quality will be seriously. 
100. Polish heating sector is facing enormous challenges, but a process of transition is already underway. Members of PKE, including Tauron, are actively involved in the transformation of, directing, of direct heating system. There are many projects under construction which are developed to replace old coal plants with sources that emit less CO2 such as CHPs based on natural gas or biomass fuels. It's well to underline that Poland is recently years has made enormous efforts to diversify sources of natural gas imports. What we are also interested in is hydrogen, which probably will play an important role in the future. As an example of towering activities, I can mention the project which is called Hydrogen Poland. The aim of the project is to establish a consortium of combining the scientific and industrial potential that can cover the whole hydrogen value chain with their competence. The green hydrogen will then be used mostly by the bus fleet and help to reduce the emission in Polish cities. The project is in the line with the assumption of the IPCA program, important project of common European interest, and was submitted to this program in March 2021. It's just one example, but we have more innovative projects in Tauron Group. As regard of our district heating segment, the company has success, successfully carried, uh, for example, a project which is called integration of heat and cold production of the district heating platform uh, and also project which is optimization of the heating system in the Silesia Dombrowa agglomeration. We are planning in the future to conduct new projects related to the new innovative, innovative technologies. To sum up, I can say that I'm convinced that the Polish energy sector will continue supporting the improvement of air quality as well as the fulfillment of the European climate targets. We are aware that transition of electricity and heating sector is necessary, but we want to implement it in, uh, and we have many ideas how to do it. But in the same time, we call for stable and predictable ledger framework, which enable transition in a reason reasonable pace. I would like to thank all the participants for today's debate and for accepting the invitation. I hope that today's meeting is, will deliver interesting observation and fruitful discussion. Thank you very much, Frederick. Thanks, uh, Patrick Demsky, for those opening remarks. Uh, I understand that you have to leave now. So um, thanks again and uh, have a good day. Thank so you uh, we can now start with uh, the opening statements uh, from the panelists. And so we'll get going straight away with uh, the first one. And that's Piotr Spertzak. Piotr, the floor is yours. Sprzątak, but my name is hard to pronounce even for Polish people. So <laughs> uh, hi, uh, hello, everybody. My name is Piotr Sprzątak. I'm a director of the district heating uh, department in Polish Min uh, Ministry of uh, Climate uh, and Environment. Thank you very much for uh, for having this discussion. Thank you very much for having uh, me as a panelist. Uh, I think that 
I would like to start uh, with a, a, like a simple statement that, uh, in my opinion, uh, district heating uh, is a part of the solution uh, for better air quality, especially in Poland. Of course, as you are probably perfectly aware, in Poland, uh, air quality um, due to the individu individual uh, heat sources uh, uh, is uh, often quite poor, especially during the winter time. And um, uh, what is a paradox uh, in a densely populated areas in the city centers, uh, it is often um, better air quality than the, on the outskirts of the, uh, of the cities where uh, individual heat sources uh, operate. And of course, we see it as a big challenge. Uh, a lot uh, has been already done. Uh, uh, Poland uh, is uh, really uh, uh, keeping the pace on uh, uh, switching the uh, fuel mix of individual heaters, uh, uh, especially through uh, uh, programs like Clean Air Program, which uh, enables uh, individual uh, households to to switch uh, fuel uh, from the uh, the most pollutant uh, hard coal uh, furnaces into a, a better more efficient uh, uh, boilers heat pumps uh, and uh, pellets uh, boilers and of course uh, of course uh, this is uh, this is uh, uh, quite a big challenge uh, for Poland uh, but uh, uh, hopefully the uh, what what's being uh, what is already being done uh, it will be continued uh, as far as i know uh, heat pump market uh, in Poland uh, grows by about uh, i think in last year it was 88% uh, so uh, it's quite considerable amount uh, and even in Warsaw alone uh, i recently heard that uh, Warsaw installed uh, more heat pumps uh, than London for example so uh, uh, this is already happening uh, the polish people also want to uh, breathe with clean air so uh, this is something that uh, we want to we want to pursue but uh, in order to provide clean air uh, we also need a district heating uh, Poland is uh, quite exceptional in uh, in this uh, matter uh, in in the European Union. Uh, Polish district heating sector is uh, one of the biggest uh, in the European Union, uh, and it's uh, quite characteristic because we have like two parallel uh, uh, systems of uh, district heating. One is in a large uh, cities like like Warsaw, Poznań, Kraków. Uh, it's a very large. Uh, uh, district heating systems uh, that have, I don't know, one gigawatt of installed capacity. Warsaw is an extreme um, uh, example here because in Warsaw district heating systems we have five gigawatts of installed capacity. Um, uh, and the other market uh, that I want to, to highlight today is a, a small municipal uh, heating companies in, uh, in smaller cities um, uh, and uh, there's almost 400 uh, companies, licensed companies, uh, district heating companies in such small uh, areas. So uh, we have uh, large uh, combined heat and power plants in large cities and small uh, boilers in uh, in smaller towns. So uh, uh, we have to, of course, uh, we understand that we have to change the um, fuel mix of the district heating because the district heating in Poland is uh, almost 70% uh, based on uh, hard coal. But uh, uh, we need a full uh, palette of, uh, of solutions uh, in order to do so. 
Of course, we understand that now the war in Ukraine uh, poses a threat because the natural transition fuel for large district heating systems was natural gas. Uh, uh, and of course, as Mr. Dembski said correctly, uh, Poland made a tremendous effort in order to diversify the um, sources of natural gas uh, with a direct connection, connection to Norwegian continental shelf through Baltic pipe pipeline and of course the LNG terminal, which is now under the expansion uh, process and um, another LNG terminal, which will be uh, in Gdańsk. Uh, so this is the paramount change in the supply of, of natural gas. Uh, by the end of the year, Poland will be completely uh, free of uh, natural gas from Russia. This was a big political priority for, for the Polish governments to, to, to increase the sovereignty of, uh, of gas imports. And this is already happening. So we, we will be prepared to ditch uh, Russian gas contracts. Uh, but of course, uh, now we need solutions for district heating. Um, uh, current proposals uh, in the uh, Fit for 55 package uh, partially respond uh, to this uh, to this need. But uh, from, from my point of view, uh, I believe that uh, mm, this palette of technologies uh, for uh, district heating systems needs to be as broad as, and as flexible as possible. Because uh, uh, possible solutions for district heating systems, especially large district heating systems, are limited. Uh, I understand that renewables will play increasing role and uh, it is um, very important for us to, uh, to uh, decrease the emissions from district heating companies. Uh, uh, and from the sector, uh, but of course uh, we have to take into account firstly the security of supply because uh, Poland uh, can be a quite uh, cold country during the winter time and uh, when the temperature falls, I don't know, 10 or 15 degrees below zero, uh, we need of course uh, uh, efficient uh, systems which will provide uh, special, uh, well the heat with the uh, specific parameters. Uh, to, to provide security. So uh, for, for that reason, Poland calls for the changes in the uh, EED, for example, uh, directive. Of course, we are in uh, close contact with uh, Ms. Claudia Canavari uh, and, uh, and we are discussing the, these issues. Uh, from our point of view, uh, th there is a necessity to maintain uh, um, co-generation process in the definition of uh, district heating companies, uh, uh, in the definition of district heating system, because uh, uh, it, it, the, the meaning of uh, definition of efficient district heating uh, system is increasing due to the provisions of uh, renewable energy uh, sources directive. Um, for example, efficient district heating systems will have completely different access to public funding and in such a large uh, uh, district heating systems uh, like in Poland, uh, uh, access to, to public funding will be needed in order to, to change the fuel, change the fuel mix uh, of, the, of the systems. Um, so uh, this is why, of course, and also through, uh, due to the fact that we have a war in Ukraine and uh, Europe needs to step up with uh, its sovereign energy uh, independence uh, and the decreasing the, the dependence on, on Russian gas, uh, we need a broader perspective and of course we need uh, uh, 
better understanding of, uh, uh, for example, for uh, uh, combined heat and power units, uh, which are also based on coal. Uh, uh, current proposal changes the definition. So in 2026, um, uh, coal-fired uh, uh, CHP plants will lose the um, uh, status of uh, uh, efficient district heating uh, systems. And from our point of view, uh, it should be postponed uh, at least by 2035 uh, because uh, Europe needs to uh, get time uh, to build new infrastructure, build new import infrastructure, uh, build LNG capacities, uh, interconnections between, for example, I don't know, Spain and France, uh, in order to boost the, the possibility to um, increase uh, gas imports from another, uh, another um, uh, sources. Uh, but of course, uh, I don't want to focus only on fossil fuels. Uh, renewables uh, are the future, of course, uh, and I do not want to question that. Uh, in terms of uh, individual uh, heaters, we, as I said, we acknowledge that the uh, heat pump's role will increase. Uh, but uh, from my point of view, uh, in a large district heating systems, renewables have to be uh, introduced smart. Uh, of course, we need electrification of district heating. In, uh, to, in order to do that, we need special provisions in, for example, new RED directive that will allow to count electricity generated from renewable sources into district. Piotr, thanks, thanks a lot, <laughs> yes, uh, because you've been speaking a lot and uh, we have other speakers on the panel as well. We'll have plenty of time to develop around those issues uh, afterwards, uh, but let me give the floor now to our next speaker, Claudia Canavari from the European Commission. Thank you, thank you, uh, uh, and uh, good morning uh, to, to everyone. Uh, many thanks uh, for having invited uh, me to this uh, uh, very interesting uh, and uh, uh, very uh, timely uh, discussion. I have uh, a few messages that I would like to, um, to share with you um, as um, you know, a short uh, uh, introduction from uh, my side, uh, and then uh, happy to, uh, uh, to, uh, to discuss and debate uh, uh, in the second uh, uh, phase of this uh, um, of this event, uh, so the first point that I would like to mention is that uh, um, um, I think that you are all aware that uh, uh, half of the energy that we consume is that to heat uh, uh, our buildings, be homes, offices, uh, uh, private and public buildings, uh, and also to produce the industrial goods uh, and services that we depend upon. Uh, and uh, the heating and cooling uh, uh, sector uh, is, uh, of course, a significant uh, source of uh, greenhouse gas emissions uh, and is uh, clearly um, uh, in the spotlight, uh, but also in a good sense uh, uh, of the green uh, transition. Um, um, what is also important is that uh, uh, the green transition, uh, climate change and energy policies uh, have a very important impact uh, on uh, air uh, policy uh, improvements. Uh, um, in fact, uh, um, uh, achieving the 55% uh, greenhouse gas reduction that is uh, included in uh, 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 in the climate target plan uh, would contribute uh, substantially to um, uh, the increase of uh, uh, air quality uh, because it will uh, reduce air pollution by about 60% uh, by 2030 if compared to, 20, to 2015. 
And you can see, I mean, 60% is really a huge number. Um, and what is uh, uh, very important uh, is uh, the, um, uh, the effect uh, that this will have, of course, on uh, health uh, uh, of people and uh, 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 obviously also on uh, um, uh, the costs uh, that, uh, um, um, you know, caring for the negative effects of air pollution on health of people would have. Uh, because, in fact, uh, uh, there will be a reduction of uh, 5 billion euros by 2030 by operating these policies and reducing air pollution in, in the EU. And this gives, I think, a clear message on the magnitude of what we could do and the effects that these could have. And of course, the 75% of heating and cooling in the EU is unfortunately still based on fossil fuels. And it's clear that uh, uh, there is the need for, um, um, uh, let's say, a fast uh, and a steady um, uh, exit uh, from uh, all these fossil fuels. Uh, the Commission, I mean, the EU has been, uh, let's say, promoting uh, uh, decarbonization already for a long time. Uh, you know that we have objectives for 2030. Um, uh, uh, let's say the, the, the more ambitious number are being uh, negotiated uh, in this period. And then we have... Uh, uh, the full, the, I mean, a very important objective by 2050 of having Europe as uh, uh, the first decarbonized continent uh, uh, in the world. Uh, so um, decarbonization, coming, uh, going out of fossil fuels, uh, has been uh, in the picture for uh, the EU already for uh, for a long time. But it's obvious that uh, the present uh, situation with the war in Ukraine uh, has made. Uh, the replacement of uh, uh, fossil fuels, uh, um, uh, I would say, even more urgent. And with the uh, Repower EU communication that uh, the Commission adopted uh, on the 8th of March uh, uh, of this year, the Commission is committed to, uh, let's say, uh, uh, support the phasing out uh, of the dependence of the EU from fossil fuels uh, uh, from Russia be well before 2030. Uh, we should uh, consider that uh, uh, this is uh, um, uh, uh, an opportunity. I mean, there are always, unfortunately, even in tragic situations, opportunities to improve. Uh, so this is uh, an opportunity to, uh, let's say, uh, start uh, really the, the route towards full decarbonization without uh, hesitations. Uh, uh, so this will bring us with the uh, immediate results of uh, uh, seizing our dependence uh, um, uh, from fossil fuels from Russia, but also allow all the very positive effects that the full decarbonization by uh, 2050 uh, will bring. Uh, and um, um, why district heating uh, um, uh, is, uh, uh, let's say, part of the solution is because uh, the various analyses that the Commission has uh, carried out, and I think that all the experts know about this, of course, is that it's easier to, um, let's say, uh, uh, reduce uh, um, um, uh, carbon use uh, um, in uh, district heating than it is in other sectors, uh, such as uh, transport and industry. And this is why the proposals that are now on, on the table uh, for discussion by Council and Parliament, uh, namely the Renewables Energy Directive, the Energy Efficiency Directive, and the Energy Performance of Buildings Directive, have been designed to reduce emissions uh, um, uh, in uh, also in uh, district heating. Uh, and uh, uh, the ED allows for um, uh, many different uh, solutions. Uh, and what is important to underline is that there is always a very wide flexibility 
given to member states to decide on the design of measures. Um, and uh, um, uh, so the ED uh, being a directive uh, sets the objectives, uh, identify measures, but then the concrete application, application is left to the member states to decide, considering on the national circumstances, uh, uh, what, uh, uh, how these uh, measures should be concretely designed. It's obvious that we need uh, objectives uh, because otherwise the risk is that uh, they will not be met and therefore we will not uh, meet uh, our, uh, uh, let's say, decisions to, um, uh, to uh, um, phase out uh, uh, dependence from Russia and uh, decarbonizing uh, the EU. Um, one point uh, uh, that was already uh, recalled uh, is about the definition of uh, uh, efficient district heating and cooling, uh, and this is particularly important, important to allow for a stronger integration of renewables. But what I would like to underline is that uh, the fact that we have a new definition doesn't mean that, uh, um, for example, those district heating uh, plants that have already received uh, state aids uh, because of the present definition will cease to have it. This remains. It will not have, um, uh, uh, let's say, retroactive effects. And also what is important is that uh, the moment there is uh, some uh, move towards uh, including more uh, renewable energy. So there is a plan for uh, new district heating system, oh, sorry, for existing district heating systems to, uh, let's say, change their um, their fuels. Uh, again, um, uh, there is the possibility of getting state aid. So it is a moving, uh, it's a moving target. It's not frozen. Uh, it's not frozen forever. And uh, the last okay, point uh, uh, that I've yes, last point because we have other speakers waiting. Go ahead. To conclude. Okay, it's just the very last point is that uh, the ED has also an important point uh, as regards uh, the development uh, also with uh, municipalities and communities uh, with population above 15,000 inhabitants uh, to have uh, plans uh, to develop renewable based uh, heating and cooling uh, in their areas. Uh, so, because it's very important uh, to look into uh, the uh, local and regional, uh, um, um, uh, let's say, realities as well. Uh, with that, uh, I conclude my first, uh, my short introduction, and I'm happy to uh, uh, engage in the discussion with all of you. Thank you. Thanks very much, uh, Claudia. Let me turn now to Kieran Kerf um, from the European Parliament. Kieran. Good morning, and uh, thank you, uh, Frederick Simon, uh, for hosting uh, this event. Uh, and as rapporteur in the European Parliament for the Energy Performance in, of Buildings Directive, I'm very happy uh, to be joined here with you uh, today. Uh, and I was listening quite carefully to the uh, previous speakers, and I agree with a lot of what they said. Uh, Patrick talked about the need uh, for stable and predictive energy uh, sources. We, we absolutely do. Um, and Peter was talking about how we need a palette uh, of, of energy choices. And uh, of course, we need to make sure that we are not simply dependent uh, on one source. And as Claudia just said, we need to involve um, local communities, uh, local towns uh, in, in the choices that are out there. But first, let me look a little bit at the facts. Um, the Energy, the European uh, Environment Agency, estimates that for that long-term exposure to poor air quality is responsible for over 400,000 premature deaths in Europe each year. And the European Environment Agency estimates that Poland 
has the European Union's most polluted air. And they note that air pollutants caused nearly 50,000 premature deaths in Poland in, in 2018. Uh, and look, very simply, the longer the lead in that we have to clean energy sources, the more people will die. Most of these deaths were caused by uh, PM 2.5s, very small particles in the air. And in the European Union, uh, PM 2.5s are killing 379,000 people every year. So one in eight of those deaths are occurring in Poland. And that's in comparison to uh, 1,300 premature deaths caused by poor air quality in Ireland. So we're very fortunate in Ireland, uh, but in Central Europe, uh, we unfortunately are still very dependent on energy sources that are causing very poor air quality and that are ki killing um, hundreds of thousands of people uh, every year. So we need to move towards clean fuels for district heating and we need to electrify everything that we can and move to cleaner sources of electricity. But I, I, I strongly believe that we can tackle the issue of air quality in the EPPD by encouraging homeowners to switch to cleaner energy systems, such as uh, electric heat pumps. And the latest uh, report from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, it says that the effects of climate change will hit the world's most vulnerable people hardest. And climate change will also introduce the world's most at-risk people to devastating impacts through shocks of water shortages, droughts, floods and bad air quality. So I think the Commission's proposal is a step in the right direction. But as always, there's a lot more that we can do. The IPCC report gives a damning indictment of failed global leadership on climate. And I believe it's my role and those of my colleagues in the European Parliament to give the leadership the impetus to act and bring our buildings in line with the climate objectives. Last week, we saw the Commission release its blueprint on how the EU can become independent of Russian gas. And that means includes a call to increase Europe's heat pumps and rooftop solar photovoltaics. So I believe in the revised, in the revised Energy Performance of Buildings Directive, we need to include these rollouts in the text so that we can have it enshrined in legislation. And more must be done to encourage member states to increase the energy transition to renewables and to boost their renovation numbers. <clears throat> I think it's also important to foster a greater societal acceptance that fossil fuels are becoming a thing of the past. And we must remember every cent that we spend on energy efficiency and renewable energy is one less cent going to Putin's Russia. Renewables account for 11% of the Polish energy sector. And I think it's important that this figure grows in the years ahead and that we can move forward with the energy transition. Looking at the breakdown of the figures, I think there's scope for enormous growth uh, in photovoltaics uh, within the Polish context. And I think Poland, as an example, has been very dependent on Russian fossil fuels. And it can be the example of a country that makes the switch to renewable energy in order to break free from the Russian dependence. And I think we can use the current crisis as an opportunity to start that process. Many countries around Europe have shown that district heating 
is a really efficient way forward when it comes to the heating sector. And I'm glad to hear of the changes that Tauron are making. But we need to start incentivizing member states to invest in district heating powered by renewables. And while there's a lot of district heating grids in Poland, the vast majority are still coal fired. So we have to replace that with other uh, energy supports. And I, I do see signs of that happening in Poland. Look, as an architect, I can see the importance of a building's infrastructure in its overall energy performance. And we do need to drive forward the decarbonization of buildings, specifically the heating and cooling. And we can also use uh, buildings to power up the vehicles that we use to get around. So there's the possibility of a real synergy in using buildings to provide power for our cars and other vehicles. So, Thanks, Kieran. Uh, um, yes, maybe just one sentence I, to conclude now. Just, just one final uh, conclusion. We can't do this in isolation. We need training programs to bring our workforce up to speed to cater for this electrified uh, future. And I certainly think the move is in the right direction. The Ukraine crisis will help us move in that direction and it will produce sustainable and healthy buildings. And I think what we've learned from the COVID pandemic is that we need clean air in order to improve people's health and the EPBD can help us to achieve that. Thank you. Thanks, Kieran Kerf. Uh, let me turn now to Margarita Toloto for the final um, of the opening statements. Good morning, everybody, and thanks a lot for the invitation to today's debate. I'm really happy to be contributing to an event which in the title has the words heating and air quality. I think it's a very important combination and it's not often uh, the case that we see uh, these words together. I will try to keep it to the two minutes that were required in the beginning. So I will just um, touch on some points that I think are relevant. First of all, policy coherence. I think the EU needs to uh, be considering uh, air quality uh, deeper in the legislative processes that are especially ongoing at the, at the moment. Uh, I'm re referring to the Energy Efficiency Directive, the Renewable Energy Directive, the energy, um, 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 the Taxation uh, Directive. I think it's um, it's really important that we uh, keep in mind that air quality is not just a kind of side effect about policies that are touching on other things. It's something that is demanded by EU legislation. We have legal obligation to deliver air quality. Therefore, uh, it, it is to be considered a priority in any uh, decision-making processes that is ongoing at the moment. Furthermore, the Commission has also elaborated the Green Deal, which has produced a, a zero pollution action plan, which is aiming at a zero pollution ambition. Uh, to me, these are not just words, it's a commitment. And I'm really, um, uh, as an NGO, we are really trying to make sure that there is, uh, um, that air quality is uh, considered in every single legal piece that is supposed and uh, we hope will deliver on existing legal objectives on air quality. There is the ongoing revision of the ambient air quality directives, uh, which is also supposed to um, tighten uh, standard air quality standards for um, ambient air quality in the EU. Uh, we are hopefully going to see some legislation appearing also to regulate indoor air quality which is especially relevant if we consider domestic heating, um, which is also part of this debate. Um, I think we are in the right 
time to even, I mean, we are late actually, we are uh, now demanded uh, to be more uh, tough in the um, in delivering what legislation already recognized to uh, European citizens as uh, their right, meaning the right to clean air. And we, we are looking forward to collaborate with the uh, uh, stakeholders that are also participating and contributing in this debate to make sure that there is coherence and that uh, we achieve what we are uh, we agreed already on. Thanks a lot again for the invitation. Thanks, Margarita Toloto. We can now open uh, the panel discussion. Um, and let me uh, start with this question to you, uh, Piotr Spertzak. So uh, gas prices in Europe are currently, uh, currently at the highest they've ever been, and they're likely to remain high um, uh, for the foreseeable future, according to most uh, projections. So how does that affect Poland's plans when it comes to district heating? Does this mean coal power plants uh, supplying district heating uh, networks will have to stay uh, online for longer? And what would be the impact then on air quality? I think that maybe I will start from the last part. I don't think that uh, even that the maintaining a small role of coal in the district heating will have a profound impact on air quality because as I said air quality issue is mainly uh, connected with individual uh, boilers rather than district heating systems. District heating systems are compatible with the uh, IED directive with NCP directive with BATS, so uh, uh, best available technologies. So um, uh, they are equipped with filters which uh, limit the pollution of uh, of the dusts of uh, NOx, etc., uh, etc., et of sulfur. So um, uh, for the uh, from the standpoint of air quality, um, district heating uh, companies do not have such a profound impact. Of course, they do have impact because uh, this is still fossil fuel-based uh, source, but uh, but not as much. Uh, when it comes to gas prices, yes, uh, I think that it will have impact. I think it will have a bigger impact once again on individual uh, uh, clients because uh, they will be more interested in uh, uh, long-term effects so with the operating costs of the of the heating source and they will uh, more focus on renewables as i said district uh, I, as i said the heat pump uh, market in poland is booming uh, and uh, 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 the government will uh, introduce new um, uh, 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 program for uh, installation of, uh, of uh, uh, heat pumps for individual users and to support it. So uh, I think that we are going in this direction. When it comes to uh, district heating companies, uh, I'm not sure it will have um, such a profound impact, uh, impact because, for example, uh, the investment process of uh, creating a CHP plant um, based on natural gas takes uh, three to five years. So uh, uh, you, you have to take into account the, uh, I don't know, 20 year uh, period of time when uh, assessing such investment. And uh, for the large district heating systems, it's simply there is no alternative. 
because for example this, i use this extreme uh, example uh, if we would turn into biomass for warsaw district heating systems we would need uh, uh, biomass equivalent to the area of brussels area each year so i don't really see this too sustainable so uh, of course uh, heat pumps will play a role and uh, what the european commission in the article 24 with the efficient district heating system is proposing to have minimal shares of renewables this is sound i understand it uh, that we have to increase the share of renewables but as i said earlier we also need what is available because uh, we have a, a specific budget uh, time frame uh, we have now uh, ability and uh, the um, uh, money to to invest and uh, we need to change the sources now within the next few years so uh, i understand that we can uh, discuss green hydrogen for example but uh, the green hydrogen will not be commercially available on the scale uh, to uh, switch 53 gigawatts of installed capacity in Polish district heating uh, sector uh, within the next five years. We need technologies that are available here and now. And this is why uh, natural gas is a transition technology to some extent uh, will still be used. Of course, uh, the individual investment decisions of companies, of course, will be affected by the current crisis and they will maybe focus more on uh, renewables and increase uh, using heat pumps in the buildings, for example, to decrease the use of gas in the central unit. But, uh, uh, but I don't think uh, uh, it will have a very, very profound effect because simply there is no technical alternative uh, for the moment. And one last remark, if I may, uh, regarding the need for the CHP plants in, in Polish energy sector. Uh, CHP plants in Poland produce 17% of electricity. If we will cut it out and remove it and uh, switch for heat pumps, for example, to, uh, to install heat pumps in the individual households. We have 3 million individual households on base on coal. If we would switch them for uh, heat pumps, we need an additional 10 gigawatts of electricity. We, we want to cut down 17% of energy produced and then increase the demand for energy uh, by 10 gigawatts. This is, this is something that is really the biggest problem. And I, of course, I can see the room for heat pumps, but we need to do it gradually. Thank you. Thanks, uh, Piotr Spurczak. And I have a uh, follow-up question for you coming from the audience. Uh, it's coming from Quentin de Hultz from the European Copper Institute. And he's asking, could district heating not use large heat pumps, solar thermal, geothermal and waste heat as the main uh, heat sources, and then only consider combustion as a secondary or backup? Yes, of course. This is why I told about uh, that we need a very broad uh, um, palette of technologies that we uh, we will uh, need. But uh, at least a uh, few of those technologies that you mentioned, uh, they need um, uh, uh, low temperature heat, like 40, 50 degrees. And uh, this, this revolution should be like uh, end consumer oriented rather than source oriented because uh, the thermal modernization process uh, and the heat prices uh, 
uh, but mainly thermal modernization process, um, has an impact on Polish uh, district heating market now. The, the, the size of the district heating market is decreasing. The demand for heat is decreasing because of the uh, increased effic efficiency of the buildings. And if we will continue with the increasing efficiency of buildings, of course, we will need less and less heat and uh, heat with uh, different quality, with lower temperature. And then, of course, uh, um, uh, the role of uh, combustion will uh, will decrease. But as I said, it should be uh, end consumer oriented rather than um, specific uh, uh, expectations from from the sources and from the um, and from the heat producers. Uh, uh, of course, uh, uh, when it comes to the waste heat, we should also consider where this heat is coming from, because uh, if this heat is coming from, I don't know, heavy oil or, uh, uh, or uh, uh, hard coal, then uh, it's questionable whether, uh, for example, high efficient cogeneration with EPS standard of 270 grams per kilowatt hour uh, is really a worse uh, source of heat or not. Uh, but yeah, uh, I don't know whether this answers your question. Thank you, uh, Piotr. Let me turn to Claudia uh, Kenevari now uh, with a question about gas prices, which are currently at the highest and probably likely to remain so, uh, according to the Commission. Um, so how does that uh, change the European Commission's assumptions when it comes to the decarbonisation of heating uh, in Europe? And uh, what could be the impact of this on air quality? Because if countries like Poland or maybe Romania prolong um, you know, their coal-fired power plants uh, for heating purposes, uh, there will be an impact on air quality. Thank you. Uh, thank you for, for the question. Um, um, in fact, uh, um, the fact that uh, uh, gas, uh, um, and, I mean, that energy prices are higher, uh, makes uh, um, actions linked to energy efficiency uh, more interesting uh, because uh, um, uh, the costs uh, for acting uh, on energy efficiency uh, will be lower. Uh, the Commission is uh, uh, assessing uh, um, uh, this aspect uh, in the sense that uh, you know that uh, um, uh, there is uh, um, uh, a study that has been also mentioned uh, in the draft report by, the, uh, by Mr. Nils Fuchslang, uh, rapporteur for the uh, ED, um, um, uh, prepared by ICF, uh, that uh, indicates, uh, um, 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 uh, let's say, a potential for a target uh, for, the energy, uh, for energy efficiency um, from an economic point of view, 30% and 18% from a technical point of view. Um, so clearly, um, uh, so there is a, at the moment a difference of uh, five percentage points between the economic feasibility and the technical feasibility. Um, but uh, the, the assumption is that uh, with the increased uh, um, uh, energy uh, prices, uh, this gap uh, will be, uh, will be uh, uh, let's say, smaller. Uh, and therefore, there could be the possibility of uh, having cost-effective uh, um, uh, measures uh, uh, that will bring... Uh, um, uh, let's say, a uh, higher result uh, as regards uh, uh, the energy efficiency target. Uh, why I'm saying this? Uh, I'm saying this because uh, it's important not to lose track of our uh, medium to long uh, term objectives. Uh, 
and uh, um, um, uh, let's say the support that is uh, being given uh, um, uh, to the member states uh, through the various uh, um, uh, funds uh, that uh, exist in the European Union should uh, help uh, uh, let's say addressing uh, also the, uh, the 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 present difficulties. Um, I have to say that uh, from from our side, uh, um, uh, uh, the increase the prices uh, should not uh, bring uh, um, let's say a slowed down result uh, in uh, phasing out uh, fossil fuels because this is indeed the direction uh, we need to uh, we need to take. Um, so. Um, um, uh, on the contrary, um, the, the, the present situ situation should push for, uh, let's say, more ambitious uh, and speedy actions. Uh, there is also um, a very good understanding from the side of the population, because I think that uh, everybody uh, feels uh, supportive uh, towards, uh, uh, let's say, uh, actions uh, that will allow um, the EU to withstand uh, uh, the present crisis. Uh, so I think that in the immediate uh, uh, period for very short term measures, which are not energy efficiency measures in reality, but they are energy savings measures, I think that uh, people could uh, probably uh, contribute substantially. And uh, I assume that uh, at least a large part of the population will be happy to do so. So, um, uh, you know, promotion of measures like uh, uh, maybe trying to think about the, the energy consumption in, uh, in, 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 in households uh, or decreasing the use of uh, cars uh, um, could, be, uh, uh, could be well received by the population and this could help decreasing also uh, the consumption in general. So I'm just quoting a, a couple of small examples, of course, uh, but um, uh, I think that we should not lose uh, the, the, the medium uh, and long-term objective, uh, which will de facto uh, really make the EU uh, resilient to, uh, to, to energy uh, shocks uh, that might also happen in the future. Thank you. Thanks, Mrs. Canavari. And uh, uh, I have a follow-up question coming uh, from the audience, uh, from uh, Irena um, uh, in the audience. So she's asking, why shouldn't we uh, promote more the use of all available uh, renewable sources uh, in heating instead of focusing only on three uh, single solutions? And there's uh, related to that a question um, from the Solar Heat uh, Europe Association um, emphasizing that um, solar thermal um, uh, is actually the cheapest currently in Central and East European countries uh, together with solar PV and he's asking um, why not promote that uh, even further. Um, uh, thank you, thank you for the, the questions. In fact, uh, um, there is uh, no limitation to the um, uh, renewables sources that are being promoted. Uh, um, uh, as you know, um, um, the uh, proposals uh, from the Commission as always are always uh, uh, technology neutral. This is really important also because uh, um, um, it, it is obviously left to each member state, uh, depending on its own national circumstances, uh, to decide on, on how to go forward. So there is no promotion of only some limited sources. And of course, uh, uh, there are some member states uh, where there are more PVs, uh, where wind, others where wind is more used. So it's, uh, it's really very much left to, um, uh, to, to each member state to decide. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not really sure I... Maybe I'm missing something from the question, but I 
there is no limitation. And for example, if we are talking about a district heating, this is a, um, let's say a, a, a technical solution that uh, that could help, but is of course not the only solution. And it uh, it's certainly more uh, interesting for those uh, member states uh, where uh, district heating already uh, exists, uh, because then it's. Uh, uh, much easier to um, uh, let's say to uh, to uh, to, uh, to uh, let's say uh, uh, decrease and then uh, uh, exclude the use of uh, uh, of fossil fuels. Um, so I, I don't know whether the, the the question is in the direction of uh, district heating, but uh, uh, in any case, it's really um, as I said that there is uh, no specific uh, no indication that one is preferred over another one. Uh, in fact, everything is uh, is on the table. And in fact, what is very important to remember is that we need the contribution from uh, all uh, uh, possible uh, solutions uh, in order to, and all, and all the sectors uh, in order to decarbonize uh, uh, and decrease uh, the energy consumption. So, um, so this is, uh, um, I think that's very important to, to, to keep in mind. Thanks, Claudia. Uh, question for Karen Kurft now. Um, so your rapporteur for uh, the EPBD in the European Parliament, how has your work been affected uh, by the current crisis in Ukraine and the, uh, the sudden rise of, of gas prices in Europe? Are you introdu introducing some specific uh, changes to the EPBD proposal as a result of this? Well, I certainly believe that the crisis in Ukraine uh, creates a new momentum or a new impetus to move faster uh, on improving the energy performance uh, of buildings. Uh, I think in particular, the suggestions we've seen uh, from the European Commission through the Repower EU, that we fast track uh, the use of rooftop solar and of heat pumps. I think these are sensible suggestions that we can incorporate into the revisions that the Parliament will bring to this directive. Uh, and I think it shows that we need to move further and faster. But I'm not saying that everyone is in agreement on this. I think there is some conservative voices who would like us to move more slowly and to simply substitute Russian energy supplies for supplies from other volatile regions around the world. So there is um, quite a political dynamic to, uh, to our work. But look, I think there's always been compelling reasons uh, to move forward with energy efficiency. First and foremost, to, to save the planet. Uh, but I think we've realized the important role of energy sovereignty for the European Union uh, in the light of Russia's war uh, in Ukraine. So there are other reasons for doing so. And I think uh, particularly in many parts of Europe, uh, one of the reasons for doing so is to protect public health because of poor air quality. So we have climate action, we have energy sovereignty, and we have the issue of tackling poor air quality that was highlighted by the COVID pandemic. So I think if anything, we need to move more quickly on, uh, on the revisions to the directive and be more ambitious in terms of scope. So being, being more ambitious in terms of scope, maybe you can expand on that uh, a bit. And um, 
Two more questions, uh, if I may. There's one frequent criticism that we hear um, on the EPBD proposal is that it looks at buildings uh, in isolation without looking at the wider neighborhood. Uh, and that is, uh, of course, uh, important for uh, district heating. Maybe you have a few uh, thoughts to share uh, on that. Maybe you're introducing changes to the EPBD proposal in order to take account of that, uh, where the buildings are actually situated. And there's one question related to this uh, coming from the audience um, about buildings in rural areas. Uh, which um, are not connected uh, to district heating or uh, some or the gas grid or um, uh, or anything, um, and for them, you know, heat pumps uh, can be uh, too uh, too expensive and uh, unaffordable. So, what solutions do you propose in the EPBD uh, to address those situations? Yeah, to take that last point uh, first, uh, yes, in some areas, the price of heat pumps is quite high, uh, but it is reducing in recent years. And in countries like Finland, where they are widespread, uh, the cost is much lower than it is in other parts of Europe. I think 70% of new uh, homes uh, in my own country of Ireland now have heat pumps uh, being installed, and that is reducing uh, the costs associated with them. In terms of the neighbourhood approach, I, I've spoken at length about this over the last year, how we have to work with communities and with neighbourhoods to find the right solutions. Clearly, district heating is part of that approach, but there are other areas within the EPBD where we can um, ensure that a neighbourhood approach is taken. I think traditionally energy policy has been very much a top-down uh, a top-down paradigm and we want to not invert that model but we certainly want to ensure that communities are represented that their voice is heard and that there are mechanisms for them to engage with the provision supply and distribution of energy and i will be looking through the directive at where we can do that and then to go back to your initial point about where we can uh, increase our, our ambition, well, I think the minimum energy performance standards uh, is certainly something that many member states have. And I would hope that we can bring those in at a European Union wide level. Uh, I think we need to focus on the social housing sector and we need to focus on the worst performing buildings where often people are very subject to energy poverty. And an area where there is real concern is over the rental sector and the private rental sector in particular, where there is a fear that renovations can lead to evictions. So I'm hoping that we can find a mechanism within the revisions to uh, make uh, to, to improve the worst performing buildings uh, and ensure that energy poverty is really tackled. Thanks, Kieran Kauf. Uh, question now for Margarita Teloto. Um, we're seeing record high uh, gas prices now uh, on the market in Europe because of uh, the geopolitical situation. How is that affecting um, the discussion on uh, heating decarbonization in your view? Are you concerned, uh, for example, about a resurgence of, of coal as a result? 
I was uh, listening already several times this argument about um, guys' prices being uh, a kind of justification for uh, rediscovering coal and coal regaining uh, space in the energy scenario in the EU. I think it's um, actually unfair to um, use the Ukraine uh, war as an argument to uh, rebuild space for coal. It's really unfair towards European citizens and uh, towards their right to live in an environment which is clean. And uh, um, as I said before, it's unfair towards their right to breathe uh, cleaner air. I think the um, health emergency that has been highlighted in the also by the some previous speakers is actual is uh, always uh, very relevant it's always worrying and i think we don't have time to reopen debates that have been closed uh, in terms of uh, importance i think we have already assessed that coal is a thing of the past and it has to be a thing of the past uh, despite what is happening around the world i think the eu has the potential and has the capacity to build its renewable uh, energy um, um, scenario and uh, efficiency in order to to be able to go away from coal and we already are committed uh, towards this uh, objective if even if we look at existing legislation i mean having a legislation which is asking you to reduce air pollution uh, obliges you to look also at coal and obliges you to go away from coal. So I think we already are bound by what we have on the table to, to, to forget coal and to go towards renewable energy. I think um, one thing I want to mention is that the WHO has recently um, published its revised and updated guidelines on air quality. They are suggesting um, air quality standards that are uh, much more uh, tightened than uh, the existing one at EU level. I think this is uh, something that we have to uh, consider, and I said, as I said before, to, to be sure that it's absorbed by each uh, discussion, debate, uh, legislation, decision-making processes, being this at official or unofficial uh, debate. I think we really have to reassure people that legislators are there to make sure that uh, they uh, obviously have uh, access to the energy they need. They can heat their houses, but they also have uh, clean air to breathe. Uh, in particular, in the EU, domestic heating is responsible for more or less 40% of particulate matter pollution. This is obviously uh, a huge, a huge range of uh, contribution. Um, it does not been mentioned uh, up to now, uh, but I think, for example, isolation is uh, one way to go for sure. Uh, energy savings also means uh, not using energy if we can uh, isolate uh, houses and ensure uh, that people can heat their houses without uh, polluting. I think there are several things that can be put together, several pieces that can be put together to compose a puzzle which deliver on um, energy demands and also on environmental protection and health protection at the same time while also saving costs and while also making Europe independent from from Russia obviously so I think we are uh, touching on the all important um, point of information but we need to make sure that these are not just discussions that are reflected in legislations and policies Thanks, Margarita. And allow me a, a follow-up question. I mean, don't you see a trade-off um, immediately now in the short term 
between energy security on the one hand, uh, caused by the situation, the geopolitical situation, and uh, decarbonization uh, plans. Uh, again, I'm thinking about coal uh, being considered in the short term. And uh, also in the long term, uh, there could be an opportunity, this is what some are starting to uh, argue now, that uh, in the energy transition, this crisis could help us skip the, the transition phase with gas uh, that a lot of countries like Poland uh, have had uh, and go straight to the uh, renewable phase. Um, what are your reflections on this? I actually hope so. I mean, I really, I'm really hoping that the uh, actual uh, situation is uh, helping us in skipping the um, gas step as an intermediate uh, phase where we need to go through in order to uh, go away from coal. I think this was something that um, has been presented also uh, not in a correct way to the general public, with gas being uh, not referred to as fossil fuel, fossil fuel, gas is a fossil fuel. So I think uh, renewable energy, climate neutrality, air quality are all objectives which are taking us away from fossil fuels, including gas. So uh, I, I, I totally agree. I hope that will not be a trade-off. Um, it's difficult to uh, foresee how uh, the market will evolve. Uh, one thing that can be foreseen is where investments has to go. So I think the EU has an important responsibility here in making sure the Commission especially uh, to drive the path toward uh, investments that are actually uh, looking at the right uh, long-term ob objective, uh, while obviously ensuring uh, access uh, and enough energy for, for European citizens, but making sure that we are uh, not, as I said before, using the situation uh, and the war in Ukraine as a uh, pretext to um, still uh, lock us in the uh, fossil fuel uh, debate and uh, go back in uh, probably 15 years uh, time when we were still uh, trying to identify, uh, okay, how do we go away from uh, coal and gas? I think we have identified the solutions and it's important to put the money there and to actually uh, jumping on the step uh, of gas, I think is the best way to go. Thanks. Uh, question for uh, Claudia uh, Canivari. Uh, so the, uh, the Commission presented plans uh, earlier this month to eliminate uh, Russian gas uh, entirely, uh, well before the end uh, of uh, this decade. Have you uh, made or are you currently making uh, some kind of impact assessment uh, of this when it comes to uh, the consequences, for example, in the heating sector, uh, and uh, the cost of this, and also potentially the benefits. Um, uh, and I'm thinking of uh, air quality uh, here, potentially. Um, thank you. Um, the, um, um, as you know, there is a, a revision uh, going on of the uh, air quality directive. Um, and uh, I think that the colleagues uh, that are uh, responsible for uh, for these uh, are looking uh, uh, certainly into um, uh, uh, into uh, the, the the present situation, uh, and I suppose that uh, in the dialogue uh, uh, then uh, with with the council and parliament, uh, 
uh, on the table. I have to confess that I'm not aware concretely of uh, uh, actions uh, being uh, taken in this respect, uh, but I'm sure that, that there are that consideration is given. Um, I have already mentioned before in my uh, in my uh, in the previous reply that I gave uh, uh, that we are looking into how the effects uh, of uh, uh, higher uh, gas and energy prices. Uh, uh, is uh, uh, let's say uh, um, uh, is on uh, on the uh, energy efficiency and uh, renewable energy uh, targets, um, and uh, uh, you know that there is also proposal uh, by uh, the, the the rapporteurs on the two directives uh, to increase uh, the, uh, uh, the the targets uh, um, in order to speed up uh, uh, the decarbonization uh, of the uh, EU. Uh, and indeed, the Commission is looking uh, into uh, into these uh, um, uh, additional, uh, or let's say, these uh, higher uh, target, uh, um, uh, and see, um, uh, let's say, how uh, um, um, the, the 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 impact, uh, and to, to to see how how to assess uh, uh, how to assess the impact. Um, so it is very important to to make sure that uh, um, uh, indeed that there is a. Um, uh, a clear indication of the cost effectiveness of uh, of these actions. Thank you. Thanks, Claudia. Um, I think we've reached uh, the end of this conference, but before we close, I will ask each one of you to summarize very quickly in 10 seconds what you would want uh, your main message to be uh, for our audience to take away uh, home with them. And so I can start with you, uh, Claudia Canevari. Um, thank you very much, Frederic. Uh, um, for me, it is really to uh, not to lose the objective uh, of uh, um, the full decarbonization uh, by uh, 2050 and uh, how important it is uh, what we are doing uh, there to uh, improve uh, air quality and, uh, uh, um, uh, let's say, increase uh, the, the quality of life of uh, citizens. Thanks, Claudia. Uh, let me turn to Karen Cuff uh, now for some very quick concluding words. Yeah, um, well, I think really, uh, apologies for the fire alarm in the background, it's just a hairdryer. But uh, really what we need to do uh, is provide legislative certainty. Uh, and I think that has to be based on scientific evidence. Uh, and I think the compelling, the compelling message from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change is that we need to move faster and with greater certainty. And I think that's the role of the European Parliament to bring about that certainty. Thanks, Kieran Kerf, and the alarm uh, adds a, a little extra sense of urgency uh, to this debate. Uh, let me ask now Margarita Toloto for uh, your uh, concluding words. Thank you. I think environmental protection, health protection has to go through policy coherence. And we are now in the time where we are actually discussing many legal instruments that can deliver on those things. And we don't have time to lose despite the international scenario. I think we need to keep the bar straight and, and go where we need to go. Air quality is a priority and uh, it's a right for EU citizens. Thanks. Thanks, Margarita. And Piotr Spetsak now for concluding words. 
Yes, thank you. In my opinion, uh, air quality is very important and district heating systems are part of the solution. Uh, from our point of view, uh, the regulatory framework that is being now uh, prepared in the European uh, Commission should uh, take into account uh, all available technologies and just the end results that we want to uh, achieve, uh, uh, but uh, should take into account the uh, technological neutrality and ability of member states to uh, uh, to take into consideration the uh, local circumstances uh, in order to achieve them. Thank you very much. Thank you, Piotr. I think this wraps up uh, today's event. A big thanks to BKE for supporting it. A big thanks to our speakers as well for being with us uh, today and for our audience for following us. If you've missed the beginning of this debate, you can watch it again on YouTube and other social media. And if you'd like to know more about upcoming Euractive events, you can check our websites, um, events.euractive.com. We hope to see you again soon. In the meantime, take care and stay safe. Bye-bye.